Welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 216, entitled The Whole Truth. This is the 40th overall episode, and there are 81 to go. Excluding the finale, we are now one-third of the way through the series, and I guess also through this podcast project. With that... Interesting milestone in mind, let's now uh, head straight to the Wikipedia summary for the episode. In flashbacks, it is shown that Jin and Sun were experiencing difficulties in their marriage because they were unable to have children. They seek help from a doctor who tells them Sun is incapable of having children. Jin reacts poorly and accuses Sun of having known this before their wedding and concealing it from him. It is also revealed that Sun was still seeing her old boyfriend, Jay Lee, who was secretly giving her English lessons. She tells Jay about her plans to leave Jin, but Jay warns against it. His relationship with a woman for whom he traveled to America did not work out. He wants Sun to stay in Korea for him. Sun and Jay exchange romantic glances. Later, the doctor finds Sun and admits to her that it is actually Jin who is sterile but he had been afraid to tell Jin because he knows Jin works for Sun's father and would have burned his practice to the ground if he told a man like Jin that he was sterile. On the island, Sun and Jin are experiencing problems because of Jin's overprotectiveness towards Sun after her attempted abduction. Sun suspects, ironically, she is pregnant. Sun approaches Sawyer for a pregnancy test kit, which turns out to be a Widmore Labs branded kit, and Kate and Sun wait anxiously for the result, which is positive. Still having doubts about the result, Sun consults Jack, who says a false negative is one thing, but a positive is usually a positive, and congratulates her on her new baby. Rose and Bernard are seen walking along the beach, arguing about Bernard forgetting Rose's birthday. Bernard attempts to catch oysters on the reef to make her a pearl necklace, until Jin figures out what he is doing and tells him in broken English that there are none. Sora congratulates Jin on the new baby, but Jin does not understand. Elsewhere, Locke tells Anna Lucia about the captive Henry Gale, aka Ben, and asks her to interrogate him without consulting Jack. Anna Lucia gets Henry to give her a map of the supposed location of his balloon, but seeing the rift between Jack and Locke, decides not to tell either of them. Instead, she convinces Saeed to guide her to the site to see if the balloon exists. Charlie accompanies them, inadvertently revealing to Anna Lucia that he is carrying a gun. Charlie gives the gun to Saeed, rather than Anna Lucia, a murderer. They arrive at the site and begin looking, but do not find it. Anna Lucia wants to be sure before she and Saeed do anything drastic to Henry. So Saeed splits the area into three parts, and says they will continue looking until Anna Lucia is satisfied. Jin apologizes to Sun for their earlier argument. He tells her that he needs her, since he cannot understand anyone else. Sun tells him she is pregnant. 
Joseph tells him that he was the one who was sterile, and tells him that he is the only man she has ever slept with. Jin believes her and says the baby is a miracle. As the two embrace, Sun gives off a nervous yet happy look. Following that, Jin and Sun are replanting the garden, discussing possible names for the baby. Jin offers to leave, but Sun asks for a few minutes to herself. He reluctantly agrees on it, and on his way out, Sun, in Korean, tells him she loves him. After a kiss, Jin speaks in broken English, I love you. Back in the hatch, Jack lets Henry out of the armory and gives him cereal from a box covered in Dharma logos. Henry questions where they got it, to which Locke says, from the pantry full of food. Henry replies with disbelief that they do not question the hatch and its contents more closely. Henry then states that this must be his reward for good behavior, for finally drawing the map to the balloon. Jack and Locke are speechless, as Henry goes on to say that Anna Lucia probably did not tell them because of their constant power struggle and trust issues. He then plays on their fears by pointing out that if he was an other, he would have used this opportunity to lead their friends to a secluded place where they would be ambushed, captured, and traded for Henry's life. Henry ends the episode by saying it is a good thing that he is not one of them asks, you guys got any milk? With that, let's now get to my thoughts about this episode. The episode starts in flashback with Sun in a negligee. It's not the first time we've seen Mrs. Kwan looking so delectable. Uh, Also, as always, the Korean language episodes are ones where I know I cannot uh, look at what I'm typing while I type my notes, for virtue of, of course, needing to read the, uh, the subtitles. Uh... The show's equal opportunity, of course. We see a muscular gin, uh, I, I suppose, balancing out uh, the uh, curvaceous sun. Uh, and Jin is starting to put the sexy time moves on his wife. Uh, then the dialogue turns frosty and stunted over their difficulty conceiving. Uh, there's also some dialogue about how awful Sun's father is as Jin's employer. It's recap within the story. It's recap happening organically and at a time that would uh, that would occur naturally, not some excuse to remind uh, viewers uh, out of the blue uh, of past events, which of course is also the function of this recap and probably the main reason, but my point being it's, it's integrated naturally with, uh, into the show. Also, a technical note in, in this portion of the flashback, uh, there's some pretty good blue screen background of what I can only assume is uh, Korea, uh, and the view from their apartment. Um, it's, it, you know, it's well done. It's kind of obvious. It's not real. But uh, it's not bad by any, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, rather foretellingly, the flashback ends with the dialogue, A baby will change everything. A baby will make it better. Uh, it's an interesting contrast, too, that in the flashback, they are mostly lovey-dovey. But on the island, they, na- they are now a fighting and a yelling. Uh, due to the perceived threat of Sun being attacked again in the garden. Uh, uh, of course, everyone believes that it was the others who attacked her, uh, but ultimately we, uh, we now know that it was Charlie and, uh, and Sawyer as part of Sawyer's long con on the island to get all the guns. And his stuff back, porn included. Anyhow, back to this episode. It's interesting, too, that Jin is now back to being the heavy and the baddie, uh, doing what he must for the quote-unquote sake of his wife. Um, I mean, granted, it's just a uh, it's an arc that lasts for the episode, so if you want to call it kind of falsely constructed, you might have a case there. But, uh, I mean, to my mind, it's coming from a, 
logical place, right? Jin is concerned that she'll be attacked again. He and she and, and most have no idea that it was all, you know, that it wasn't the others who attacked her. So he's responding to uh, what he can only assume is a real threat. And, uh, you know, he, I think, you know, he's he's risking the fight with his wife so, he, so that she's not, you know, uh, injured gravely. So it's all, it's coming from a good spot anyway. Uh, we go to the title card, and after the title card, Bliss. Anna Lucia, running hard in a tank top and no brassiere, drenched and glistening in sweat. Quite nice. There's also some dialogue between her and Locke. Uh, Locke brings her into the circle of trust and wants her to do an old-school police interrogation on Benry. But, uh, Anna Lucia. Uh, anyhow, moving on. We also see in this episode a return to the happiest couple on the show. Are you all right? I'm, I think I'm just a little lightheaded. Well, you look as pale as a sheet. Well, give her some water. Yes, ma'am. Don't pay him any mind, honey. He's just mad at the world because he forgot my birthday. Well, I didn't forget. I don't even know what day of the week it is. It's Saturday, life. Bernard. Honey, can you walk? Really? I'm all right. Maybe we should go get Jim. No. Joking aside, I think Rose and Bernard really are the happiest couple that we see for the entire show. They're very much in love. They bicker like the best old married couples. They have absolutely no reason to leave the island. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, they, they almost lost each other twice. Rose's cancer in the plane crash. Uh... And looking at, at their story as a whole, they end up spending the rest of their lives on the island. Most of it under Hurley's reign as the island's protector, and without the smoke monster, and without the others as a threat. I mean, how nice is that? They live, they live on the beach, you know, in a hut to, to the end of their days, uh, eating papaya, you know, uh, uh, sipping out of coconuts, Heck, there's probably this whole awesome portion of their retirement once Hurley is uh, is the guy in charge. Maybe they get set up in Othersville, and uh, you know Bernard putters around as as uh, the the dentist for everyone there, and uh, Rose continues to share folksy wisdom with everyone. And I mean, it's they probably had this wonderful experience of of being responsible to no one but themselves, but also. Uh, uh, being part of a community if they chose to. It's, it probably was precisely what one looks for on vacation or retirement or downtime, and they get it. Um, further, Wikipedia suggests that any of the others who didn't die by the end of the series likely fell in line under Hurley and Ben, so I don't know if I had just said that that they probably lived without the others as a threat, but it was this palatial island paradise that they spent the rest of their days in. It just... How nice, you know. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to the upcoming Rose and Bernard episode that we have, I think, in about a month. But anyhow, what a, what a retirement that uh, these two have. Um, moving back to this particular episode, though, uh, from the long, fruitful love that Rose and Bernard uh, have, the show moves to Son's affair slash English lessons with Jay Lee, the Korean Mr. Clean. 누구한테 배웠냐고 하면 뭐라고 해요? 우리가 이렇게 만나는 것이 불편하시면 그만하죠. 그러길 원하세요? 아니요. 
You know, what's there to say about that clip that Jay Lee just doesn't say perfectly himself? It just it explains everything, doesn't it? Just it captures it all. The whole the whole of human existence is captured there in, in his wise, wise words. And I think that it, it it has us reinterpret the show as a whole and become better human beings from it. So well done, Jay Lee, well done. Meanwhile, back in the hatch. There's a great scene where Locke leads Jack in a discussion by which Jack decides that Anna Lucia should talk to Ben. Locke then informs him that Anna Lucia is already interrogating Ben. Um, and indeed, once we go into the, into the hatch, uh, at the start of that particular scene, Anna Lucia looks calm and happy. Uh, she's unfortunately also noticeably out of focus for more than a couple of seconds, which continues to irritate me, but what's most important is the conversation that they share. So how about you try me? I don't mean to be ungrateful, but why are you going to help me get out of here? On the other side of the island, there was this guy with us. I was 100% convinced that he wasn't on the plane. So I dug a hole, and I threw him in it. And what happened? I was wrong. And now he's dead. But good news for you, Henry, I don't make the same mistake twice. So how about you tell me your story? You know, it's the third time in about 12 or 14 hours that I've heard that clip between re-watching the episode for the podcast, creating the clip, and then listening to it uh, now to get it all you know played properly within the podcast. It's only on this third time that I realized that she is recapping. Uh, it's it's that well integrated into the show, um, in part because it is explaining directly her motivations at that moment. Why isn't she too beating the crap out of him? Because she knows what happens when you cross that you know Patriot Act line too far and end up with nothing and end up wrong and end up having hurt someone. Uh, for absolutely the wrong reason, and indeed the guy she did throw into the pit, I mean, you, Anna Lucia obviously didn't kill him, that was Goodwin who killed him, but, you know, Anna Lucia put him in the pit to be alone from everyone else where, where getting his neck broken was, was made possible by Anna Lucia, so, um, you know, just a, a nice, a nice clip. I think a lot of the characters... I mean, I don't know. I'm no writer, but I think sometimes when you when you have good characters, you just put them in the room with each other, and they almost they almost you know write the scene themselves. Uh, you know, to put Anna Lucia and Ben into the same room, you have the toughness of Said and Echo, but a little bit more of the wisdom of what happens when you do it wrong, uh, and 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 the the regret that comes with some of those choices. So. Anyhow, moving on. We, uh, we go back to the beach. Sawyer's reading, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Now, clearly, this is meant to be a joke. Sawyer reading a preteen story. Um, and, and maybe this next thought here is a bit too analytical, but I had to wonder if there was just a little bit of a sly connection between the story of a girl getting her first period and son not getting hers due to pregnancy. We're kind of dealing with, dealing with that department, uh, in this episode, I suppose. And uh, mostly moving on, we go back to the hatch, where uh, 
Lock chalks one up to women's lib, baby. Can't hear anything. She's only been in there about 30 minutes. How do you know he hasn't snapped her neck, John? How do you know she hasn't snapped his? It's just a nice comeback. It's, you know, I think it's once again Jack underestimating people, particularly underestimating the, you know, uh, underestimating those frail women who need him to, you know, help them recline on the veranda while he fans them because, you know, they certainly can't be any, you know, be as tough as him. Meanwhile, Locke is perfect, perfectly content with uh, sticking Anna Lucia in there and assuming that um, she'll do just as fine as Saeed did. So, shame on you, Jack. Shame on you yet again. Um, we, from, at that point, we go back to Anna Lucia's talk with Ben. And I love that as she's delivering her dialogue, she keeps looking at all the cuts over his face. Uh, all the scratches, all the bruises. It's a really nice little acting touch. I think that even as kind of stone cold, you know, I'm gonna, I'm the cop, and I'm gonna go in there and interrogate you. I think that it, uh, it would be a little difficult to talk to somebody whose face is so, so messed up without just letting your eyes wander for a second. Particularly since he's, you know, bloodshot, and that's never difficult to to look somebody in a bloodshot eye. So. Um, we go from Anna Lucia threatening Ben that he'd better draw a map to his balloon or she'll kill him. And then we cut to son's pregnancy conundrum. That wacky son, what will she do? Why are son and Jin episodes always feeling, at least at, at some point during the episode, they feel like a dinner of iceberg lettuce in between filet mignon last night and chicken a la king tomorrow night? Um... I mean, granted, you know, it's contrasted by the greatness of Ben, but, and the mystery of Ben, and the mystery, mystery of the balloon, and the mystery, mystery, mystery of what are they going to find when they get there, but, I don't know, there's, these sun, I mean, we'll discuss the episode as a whole when we get to the end, uh, and certainly I think it's, it's stock increases as the episode goes on, but, I don't know, these Sun and Jin episodes just feel like they come at the worst times, you want more Ben and no Sun and Jin, and here it's like, who should I tell? What should I do? Am I pregnant? Aren't I pregnant? You know, meanwhile, there's a guy who might be connected to all those bad guys who, you know, who, whose mystery we're only beginning to understand, etc., etc. Um, at any rate, her her preggers leads her to almost being discovered by Hurley. He has a candy bar and she has a pregnancy test. It's a cute moment. I mean, once again, we're using Hurley for, you know, for the fat jokes, but... Oh, well, it is what it is. Uh, it certainly is in character. We know he has the food stash. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, it makes for a cute moment. Hurley has the thing from Civilization he shouldn't have, and she has the thing from Civilization she shouldn't have. So it works well enough. Uh, he leaves, and we cut to the pregnancy test box. Widmore Labs pregnancy test. Good job, guys. This Widmore hint we can see this time. Unlike the Charlie flashback episode, the last Charlie episode, where there was this teensy-weensy Widmore sign that the uh, Lindelof and Q said watch out for uh, as it was going to be on the Battersea Power Station, and you couldn't see it at all. Now, here we have something that's unquestionably visible, and, uh, you know, I mean, I I think we were, um, it was on our radar uh, when the episode first aired, uh, I think that um, 
you know, word had gotten out, you know, watch out, or it might have even been Lindelof and Cuse who needed to explain what was on the billboard because no one saw it. Therefore, the word Widmore is really out there. Who's this Widmore person? It's going to play a, a larger role. Um, I certainly recall that, you know, in this sad, dark time before I had an HD TV, uh, watching this season, um, I was aware that when we do get to the balloon, there were, um, you know, HD screenshots where you could see that it said Widmore something or other on the, on the balloon or on the basket. And, um, you know, they're just kind of adding these little, these little bits to it because they do have a master plan to the show. Uh, but this one is nice. It's in your face. And, you know, pre-show buzz aside upon first viewing in 2006, it just fits even better now that there's this guy out there with all this stuff and, uh, when he finally does show up, it just it fits all the better. Um, with that, we flash back to some rather boilerplate Korean dialogue about how and why Sun can't get pregnant. The doctor is out of focus for part of his close-up, by the way. Perhaps this is because he's leaning forward in a bit of a deferential way. Uh, his his face isn't quite square to the camera with his, uh, you know, his 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 uh, jaw and his forehead are not. At the same distance, he's he's leaning a bit forward, forehead closer, chin back. Um, perhaps he's not a professional full-time actor. I, I would imagine that when you're casting uh, Asian actors who speak Korean, who live in uh, Hawaii, who are fifty to sixty years old and look doctorly, and who can remember lines, uh, and who probably also speak English, so that they can take direction on set. Uh, I imagine probably the, you know, it's not the the, the greatest, you know, sixty-year-old uh, Korean male actor known throughout South Korea as blah blah blah. You know, they probably has got somebody who who could act. Certainly, the the performance he gives is is uh, is able, but probably somebody who doesn't know the particulars of you know you don't lean this way, so you stay in focus with your pretty face. Um, Anyhow, we uh, more importantly, we see the return of Jin the Jerk. He uh, starts blaming Sun from keeping the knowledge of her blocked fallopian tube from him before they were married. Uh, Sun ultimately wins this round, telling him that yes, sarcastically, yes, she was trying to trap the son of a fisherman. Uh, the story then moves back to the hatch, and once again, the B story feels more important. It really feels... Tremendously more important when Anna Lucia goes to Saeed and Charlie, yay Charlie, uh, with a map to Henry Gale's balloon. It's to his balloon. How did you get him to do this? I asked nicely. Did Jack and Locke know about this? Jack and Locke are a little too busy worrying about Locke and Jack. All I want to know is if this guy's telling the truth. Why come to me? Judging from what you did to his face, that's what you want, too. This is at least a day's walk. Then we should get going. The scene has everything that makes Lost great. Charlie, great Anna Lucia dialogue, Said wisdom, uh, a map that we can freeze frame and discuss online and in our you know various groups in 2006 and, and pour over it. Uh... Add to that the fact that it's a cold day on the beach for Anne Lucia and her tank top. Mwah. 
a perfect scene, perhaps. Seeing uh, Charlie tangentially uh, put into the adventure, though, did remind me of the pilot episode. Here Charlie is again with the hero man and hero woman. Uh, I'm, of course, referring to when Jack and Kate and marginally Charlie uh, went to the uh, to the front section of the plane, uh, which I guess would be the cockpit portion. Um, there's also some more fantastic Dominic Monaghan humor, uh, as he notes that neither of his traveling companions have a sense of humor. Uh, and then when Anna Lucia outs him for having a gun, he says, oh, sure, and he takes it out and reaches to hand it to her, then without looking... Uh, puts his hand, his arm behind him to hand it over to Saeed. Uh, he reminds her that, you know, she's the murderer, she's the one who couldn't be trusted with a gun and shot Shannon, etc. Uh, I mean, even there, the tiniest bit of recap, but uh, done organically in the story. Um, all of this going to find the balloon story, it's so great, the tension, the dialogue, the characters, it's so great that we cut to son waiting on the pregnancy test. Nothing like waiting in television. We're halfway through the episode, and it's starting to feel like Sun pregnant on island and Sun cheating in a flashback might be related, uh, as we kind of theorize uh, in the, uh, you know, upon first viewing. And uh, indeed, watching this episode, I remembered that uh, a bit of its own wisdom was something that I have kept in mind with my own wife. Is it 100% sure? There's only one way to find out. These tests are pretty accurate. You know, false negative in the first week, maybe. But positive is a positive. But it's impossible. Oh, no, it's possible. (laughs) Thanks, Jack, for giving me medical information straight from TV. Hooray! With that uh, bit of wisdom, we go back uh, to the flashback. And now, thankfully... Uh, Jay Lee and Son are speaking in English, for part of the scene anyway. Uh, They switch back to Korean, and the stories start to match up, Son explaining that she's learning English in order to escape to America. Uh, The scene is punctuated by a return to English again. Jay Lee says, uh, I'm not saying you should stay for Jin. Uh, as a side note, I wondered if they kept that, uh, that, you know, kind of uh, climax of the scene, if they kept it in Korean for the Korean version of the show. And I don't mean in, in its dub. I wonder if they uh, if they recorded another take where it was entirely in Korean. Um, I just, just wonder how those things work. Uh, with that, we go back to Anna Lucia, Saeed, and Charlie, camping out on the way to the balloon. Must be great as an actor, in this case Dominic Monaghan playing Charlie, to hear that you're needed on set so that they can record a long shot of you sleeping. And then you're not you're not needed for that scene anymore. Uh, and let's not forget, Charlie, you know, one of the, uh, you know, did not make it all six seasons, as we know. Uh, the scene, though, does give Anna Lucia and Saeed a chance to patch things up. I'm sorry for what I did. You were trying to protect your people. It wasn't you that killed Shannon, it was them. And once we find out he is one of them, then something will have to be done. 
It's, I mean, it's, it, I think it's a scene that needs to happen. It's the, uh, the acknowledgement of the tension between the two of them and the dispelling of that tension. Um, I think it also shows Saeed having gotten his focus to, to recognize that uh, Anna Lucia shooting Shannon was an accident, but it, that it was an accident brought on by the evils of the others. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a mildly procedural scene, but certainly one that uh, that you know that makes sense within the flow of the show. Not everything needs to be avant-garde and you know strange uh, mysteries and whatnot. It's uh, kind of the conclusion of their hostilities, and uh, you know together they will be focused in in getting the others, not uh, getting each other. After the act break, they find no balloon, and they find no balloon rather quickly. Said is so ticked off, so fast that the incredibly sparse map hasn't immediately worked. Uh, I mean, it's a bit forced, uh, but certainly Naveen Andrews looks truly angry uh, that that the scene works, I suppose. Uh, And then from all that tension, we go to... Sigh. Bernard looking for oysters and pearls to give his wife, and Sawyer congratulating Jin on son's pregnancy. Except Jin doesn't speak English, as shown by playing some of the dialogue in reverse to mimic his inability to hear the words. He genuinely looks frustrated, that poor guy. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a nice scene. Certainly, it sets up the next scene where Jin is going to be saying to Sun how, how he needs her in so many ways, including because he can't survive on this place without her. He can't integrate into the community without her. Um, uh, plus, you know, a little bit of Sawyer humor. And a little bit of seeing more of Bernard. It, it's it's a pleasant scene altogether. It's it leaves Jin so sad, of course, that he goes to the garden to fix things up. He of course had trashed it in, in the uh, beginning of the episode because he didn't want Sun hanging there alone. Uh, it also is an opportunity for him to show off his muscles, and uh, we also see the return of good old contrite and nice Jin. And as I kind of hinted at before, it's a very touching moment when Jin admits to Sun that he can't talk to anyone without her. He can't understand anyone without her. Uh, she chooses at that time to reveal that she's pregnant. I, I suppose that's as good as any. You know, if, if in her mind there's some question as to how will Jin take it uh, or, or whatnot, um, you know, being told that he can't live without her, that's as good a time as any. Um. I think, too, for first-time viewers, there's a moment where everything is so happy that our suspicions that Jay Lee could have had any involvement in it, those suspicions are washed away. Then Sun says that she needs to tell her husband something. Uh, the something is that we flash back to Sun walking a very large bopo, which, of course, is the dog, and uh, a reminder that both Locke's hair and the size of the dog are always keystones to flashback chronology. You just follow the hairline and follow the dog and it tells you where we're at in time. Anyhow, it's revealed that it, it is not Sun who can't have kids. It's Jin. All because Dr. Kim fears what Jin would do if he found out he had faulty soldiers. We come out of the flashback where, in tidy fashion, Jin has just heard that's the exact same flashback story, too. That worked out well. Uh, as Jin wrestles with the news... Uh, and how, if he's got faulty soldiers, there could be a kid. I couldn't help but think that Rose and Bernard really do mirror these two. 
Uh, Rose and Bernard are the old married couple that Sun and Jin strive to be, uh, and, and they don't achieve that in life. Uh, perhaps they do in the afterlife. Uh, similarly, just as the island fixes Jin's little guy, uh, it also fixes Rose's cancer, or you know, dispels Rose's cancer, fixes her problem. Um, and you know, I have to admit too that at this point in the episode, I had to hit pause and I had to look up whether Ji Yan, their baby, really was fathered by Jin or Jay Lee. Uh, I, it just was not clear in my mind. Um, I, I think even by the end of this episode, it's not entirely clear. I think that we are meant to have some sort of question in our mind. Not even, I think. I'm sure that we are meant to have a question in our mind, which we'll discuss once the episode uh, wraps up in a bit, uh, or at least the, the Sun and Jin portion of the episode. But for the record, Jin is the father, baby conceived on island. Um, although, as well, as I suggested... As Sun and Jin embrace, after Jin declares it all to be a miracle, Sun has this look of discomfort and, and shame and embarrassment uh, to a point where I think that my confusion is understandable. In the last act, things feel so nice. It's the Sun and Jin that we've come to love and appreciate. They tease each other about uh, everyone knowing of the pregnancy. And Sun strokes Jin's ego uh, by wanting to garden a bit longer without him, but make sure that it's okay with him first. It's so wonderfully normal and sweet, punctuated by Jin. I love you. With that, Jin walks off, and Sun feels her tummy. Sun and Jin's stories might start out feeling like iceberg lettuce. But they end up as home-cooked meals, filled with a love that makes us pause and smile. It's really no wonder that these two stayed together in their end, and of course met each other uh, in the afterlife uh, to be together henceforth. And as with last week's episode, that ends the main story uh, of the plot. And there's kind of a Benry epilogue that finishes us off. Uh, Jack lets him out for breakfast. Uh, to Locke's amazement. Jack shoots him a, a, a look, shoots Locke a look, and it's the biggest F you to Locke to date. Then Henry starts to, uh, you know, as he sits down uh, in front of his bowl of Dharma O's, uh, Henry starts to wear the hat of the audience, expressing some of our frustrations. What's the computer for? Nothing. Cereal. Wow, where'd you guys get cereal? It's down here all along. Pantry's full of food. How old is it? You guys don't know much, huh? I mean, I'd be asking all kinds of questions about all this stuff down here. You guys don't even seem that curious. You want the cereal or don't you? Be my reward for good behavior, huh? I guess I earned myself some goodwill for finally drawing that map for Anna. What map? To my balloon. Did you know? Wow, you guys have some real trust issues, don't you? Guess it makes sense she didn't tell you. I mean, with the two of you fighting all the time. It's been at his best. Snarky, 
light years ahead of everyone else, spilling the beans that he only could have wondered if they were there to be spilled, uh, and even takes a dig at at uh, Jack and Locke and all that they represent, noting that there's this discord in camp. Uh, it's it's just wonderful. It's him slowly weaving his way into camp as a parasite almost. Uh, and then we really, really get to see Ben's true colors come out. Of course, if I was one of them, these people that you seem to think are your enemies, what would I do? There'd be no balloon. So I'd draw them out to a real secluded place. Like a cave or some underbrush. Good place for a trap. Ambush. And when your friends got there, a bunch of my people would be waiting for them. And then they'd use them to trade for me. I guess it's a good thing I'm not one of them, huh? You guys got any milk? What a wonderful ending to the to the episode. All that Ben says, he says precisely because none of his friends are out there to ambush Saeed, Anna Lucia, and Charlie. Ben is proving that he's not an other by creating his own proofs, by referencing something that he knows will not happen, which will therefore su- support the fact that he's not an other, despite the fact that he is. Um... This is also an episode, I mean, th- this is a great episode. The, the heartfelt Sun and Jin and the, the Henry end, uh, the balloon business. On first viewing, though, this is an example of the pace moving so incredibly slowly that they introduce the balloon two episodes, three episodes ago, and they're almost at a spot where they can truly find it. They're at the right location. They just need to look a little bit more. And it's it, it was a maddening time to be watching Lost. You're kind of pulling your hair out, saying, "Who is this guy? What's out there? What what is going on?" Um, and that's all courtesy of uh, of Ben's evil and intelligence, which is always a great way to end an episode. And even though the episode is over, let's take a look at Lostpedia. This was maybe the weakest uh, bit of information from Lostpedia for an episode. And I I don't know that that's Lostpedia's fault. There just might not have been a lot of juicy bits for it. So apologies if some of these are kind of lackluster. To me, many of them almost didn't quite make the cut, but whatever. Um, (laughs) As evidenced by this first one, when Sun and Jen are in the doctor's office, the subtitles read, Hello, Mr. Kwan, K-W-A-N, and Hello, Mrs. Kwan, K-W-A-N. Later in the series, their name is spelled Quan, K-W-O-N. Eh. Rose's birthday is November 20th. She is one of three characters to have an on-island birthday, the others being Claire and Ben. I guess to be fair, doesn't uh, Aaron also have the most important birthday? The first one? The birth? On, uh, on the island. But anyhow... Third bit from Lostpedia, when Sun... And this is kind of neat. I, I, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious if you're looking for it, but it's worth, it's worth mentioning. When Sun asks Sawyer for a pregnancy test, her Korean accent is noticeably more pronounced, presumably because she's very nervous. So good, good acting choice there. 
from Yunjin Kim. And uh, last but not least from Lostpedia, Locke finds the Geronimo Jackson record Magna Carta while flipping through various albums. So there you go, the marginal mystery that was Geronimo Jackson. Um, Before we fully look ahead to next week, here's just a couple of touchstones for where we are in this season. The Blast Door map will be next week. The Dave flashback will be the following week. Rose and Bernard get their flashback episode after that. Of course, when I say the Dave flashback, hopefully you know what I'm talking about, that it's a Hurley episode. Uh, so the Blast Door next week, Dave appears the following week, and I believe that's the episode that ends with the uh, the zinger of, uh, you know, who's a fellow crazy patient? It's Libby. Uh, three weeks from now, Rose and Bernard flashback. Then four weeks from, you know, in four episodes... Libby and Anna Lucia are killed. It's a fantastic stretch of episodes that we're in. I would argue that this is the high point of the series in terms of week by week balancing uh, personal drama, pertinent flashbacks, uh, on-island mysteries, dealing with the mysteries, paying off some of those mysteries. Let's not forget we were in a new hatch last week with Claire. Uh, We're learning more about the others in seeing Mr. Friendly unbearded um it's uh just an excellent stretch that we're in and it all continues next week where next week will will be episode 217 lockdown with the blast door map probably the biggest fan involvement episode of all time i think that anyone um who saw the different versions of the the blast door map you know the, the Entertainment Weekly one that was annotated and just, you know, screen captures that were zoomed in. I think that even people who were just kind of casual viewers, if someone put that blast door map in their hand, they were sitting there having a discussion about it. Um, just this massive, massive uh, moment to the episode uh, and, and a massive episode in the series. So I can't wait to, to dive into that. Uh, a reminder that new episodes launch to the website, iTunes, and the Lost Podcasting Network on Mondays. Also, a quick plug for my other podcast, the PH Geek Podcast, available on iTunes and at phgeek.podbean.com. Those episodes launch on Wednesdays. But back to this podcast. Please share your feedback. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Call the Google Voice voicemail line, 732-707-1815. Share some feedback. You can also say hello to me on Twitter. I'm looking back lost. You can send me an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And of course, you can find the show on iTunes where reviews are always appreciated. So, thank you very much for listening. It's been uh, fantastic getting together with you again. And I will speak to you all again next week uh, for episode 217 Lockdown. Take care and bye bye.